preaching is hearing. Faith comes from hearing. You need to hear the testimonies today. And then I want you to feel what God is calling you to do because I think God is calling you to an adventurous life, okay? You're not called to just exist, okay? You want to have a, a full, meaningful life. I want you to, to feel that call, call to testimony, call to adventure. And then I want you to live the adventure. So I want you to hear, I want you to feel, and I want you to live. Say that with me. What, hear, feel, live together. One, two, three. Hear, feel, live. Okay, that's, that's the goal. If you're taking that away from this chapel, then, then God has been moving here, and I know he will. Let's, in fact, let's have a prayer to get started, and then I'll introduce Hunter, and we'll, we'll get started. Pray with me now. Lord Jesus, all that we do, chapels, testimonies, work, mission, anything we do is really not meaningful if it's not in accordance with you, if it's not your work. And so I don't pray that, that I will have clarity, that I will be a good speaker, that Hunter will be a good speaker. I pray that your words, your spirit would be moving through me in the hearts of these people and that change would happen in our hearts. We don't wanna stay the same. Our life is not the way we want it. Many problems in all of our lives. Even when we have happiness, there's kind of emptiness. So we ask that you would fill us and you would help us to hear the testimonies. You will help us to feel your calling for us and you will help us to live the adventure that is the Christian life. Amen. I'd like to introduce Hunter Brown, Hunter Frank Brown. And he, uh, yeah, let's give him a good welcome. He, you might know Hunter, some of you might know him. He graduated in 2018 and his sister Callie graduated last year, Callie Brown. And he has um, been living an adventure since he left here. So you're gonna hear first some of Hunter's experiences as a senior. So you seniors, he's gonna talk about what you're gonna be experiencing this year. And you juniors and sophomores and freshmen, you'll all be seniors one day. So you'll get to hear about his journey a little bit in the Christian life as a senior. And then afterwards, he had some really cool experiences around the world. So you can hear about that. Now, what I appreciate about Hunter the most is Hunter is not what you think about somebody who wants to change the world. He's kind of got a quiet demeanor. Would you agree, Hunter? Would you say you're an extrovert or an introvert? Introvert, yep. And I know Mrs. Pettit is watching live stream right now, and I think Mrs. Pettit would say, oh my gosh, I never thought Hunter would be up on stage talking in front of people. So uh, Mrs. Pettit, kudos to you for helping him make those steps. But what I appreciate about Hunter is that he has a heart. He has a heart for having an eternal, eternal impact on the world. Now some people can say I'm gonna save the world. That would be a great thing. What if you could solve global warming? What if you could end racism? What if you could make a big change in the world? That would be meaningful, but it wouldn't be eternal. The world is temporary. Whatever you do to fix the world only lasts as long as the world is around. And we know as believers, the world will not always be around. The new heaven and new earth will come and all of us will be separated as sheep and goats. We'll go to eternal life or eternal death. That's the reality, it's easy to forget. 
That's why you should go on mission trips. That's why you should have a testimony to remind yourself of reality of what the world is really about. And Hunter wants to not only change the world, he wants an eternal impact. And you'll hear about that in his story. Uh, so we're gonna have two parts to this chapel. Hunter's gonna take over now. He's gonna tell you about uh, his journey and his adventures for a while. Then I'm gonna come back up and join him and we're gonna see some slides of our trip to Africa and uh, end it that way, okay? So give Hunter another round of applause and he's gonna take it over. All right, yeah. So, kind of like Dr. E said, I graduated from here in 2018. Some of you guys do know me because, uh, was there? Oh, yeah, there's that picture. Okay, um, yes, that's me from senior year. I'm the one currently being lifted off the ground in the sombrero. Um, but yeah, most of you who do know me probably know me because I coach you in lacrosse. So, there you go, there's a shout out for that. All right. But what I want to start out with is just a question that I'm sure like most of seniors and juniors are getting peppered with right now is like, what are you going to do next with your life? Like, what is it that you want to do? What's, where are you going to go to college? What job do you want? What are you going to study? All these different things. And like, at the end of the day, it just boils down to like, what are you meant to do? What's the purpose that you have heading into life? Like, going out of high school, going into the rest of your life, what's the purpose that you're like, devoting yourself to for the rest of your life? And at the time when I was a senior, I had no clue what that was supposed to be. Because everyone around me went like, I toured this college, I wanna go here, I'm gonna study engineering, I'm gonna study business, I'm gonna study science, I'm gonna study whatever it may be. And when it got to me in like, the group of like, introduce yourself, where are you gonna go? Like, I, I'm Hunter, I don't know what I'm doing, where I'm gonna go, what exactly my plan or purpose is. And that was something that like, I really wanted my senior year because like, you've all taken, I'm sure, like career placement tests or like those sort of things like strength finders and like you take those but they only get you so far and then they say like, oh, you'd be good in this sort of a role. You'd be good in like this job or this sort of a place in the world. Like this is your place to fit. And when I got those results back, because like we all do it, like what are your best subjects? Spanish and history were my best subjects in high school. There's not a wide, <laughs> wide career field for those two things. You don't go like, yeah, Spanish, the world's wide open for all the different things you can do. So that kind of ruled things out. Like, yeah, I didn't really want to be a teacher. Didn't really want to teach Spanish, teach history. Nothing against Spanish and history teachers here. You're great. But the other things were like, okay, what did I enjoy? Well, I loved lacrosse. I still do. That's why I'm coaching. But that, that wasn't going to get me anywhere. Then I enjoyed philosophy class, but you can't really go anywhere with philosophy either. You can't get a degree or a job in philosophy. So all these things I'm like, I'm good at. I enjoy this. I could go somewhere here and all those doors just kind of get slammed shut because there's really not that much there. But then I'm like losing motivation. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? And then senior year, as you are all aware, there's the senior mission trip. And that was like the first time, if we go to the next picture, I'm sure you've seen it walking around the halls. Uh, there's me in the center. And this was sort of that first moment in my life where I really felt like I had a purpose somewhere. I had something I could do 
for the betterment of the world, but more importantly for God and for the kingdom of God. Because like, I could just get a normal 9 to 5, and that could be what I do the easiest way, just go through, do all that. Or now going to the DR, because that's where we went in my senior year, the Dominican Republic, was all of a sudden I used Spanish for something more than just class or an assignment. And like, I talked with people in their language, and I understood them. I made a deeper connection with them than maybe some others who didn't speak Spanish could. And I actually made an impact on someone's life beyond just like, uh, like maybe a standard church service project, like just talking with someone. Like there, there's a lasting impact with missions. So this new like option entered the mix my senior year. Like, okay, what if maybe instead of pursuing more school, maybe I went and did missions. So that door opened up and as I'm sure, uh, like, all of us would, like, love to, like, go do, like, a bunch of things. We all got, like, a bucket list of things that we want to do. And, like, for me, this wasn't, like, I wanted to go do this before I do X, Y, or Z, before the end of my life. It was, like, this is what I feel called to. This is what I have a purpose doing. This is what I can do. And that's, like, I jumped into that. I'm, like, okay, I got to look into this more. And school suddenly became less and less, like, oh, like, I got to do this so I can get to the next step, further my education, that sort of thing. All of a sudden, it was like, I have to go back into missions. I have to know more about this because I didn't know anything about it until then. So, coming back from the trip, uh, telling my parents, hey, I don't think I should go to college right now. I don't think that's smart to go to college after you've paid my way through a college prep school. Uh, I should go into missions right now and take a gap year and just go somewhere on the other side of the planet and just live there for, you know, a few months. And I'm sure just like most of your parents, they probably took that news very, very well. And they were like, oh, yeah, let's do that. That'd be great. But that was obviously not the response I got. It was like, we got we to gotta talk about this a little bit more. I don't think that's quite it. So this like internal and external conflict start happening my senior year between like what I'm supposed to do by society standards of graduate high school, go to college, get a degree in whatever field you're going to get a career in, start working that job, work your way up, and then just kind of like you have your life mapped out ahead of you, not like the details, but like you do this, move on to the next thing, get your degree, get your job, all these sort of things. And that just didn't appeal to me at all. Like, I didn't see the purpose in it. I didn't see the meaning behind it. So I had this conflict of, okay, if I do that, if I go the degree route, if I go to college, I do all that, I'm just like, I'm doing what everyone's going to be like, good, great, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. No one's going to bat an eye. I'm just going to cruise through that, do what everyone expects. Or I do something totally against the system, and I get on a flight, follow God somewhere, and let him use me in some place I'd never been, wouldn't be comfortable in, I have no clue about, and that's what I chose to do. It took me until the night before, like, the decision day, that, like, everyone wears, like, where are you going? And they all wear their, like, St. Thomas or Dort or Northwestern, whatever it is. They're, like, wear it, and I'm, like, all right, I just wore, I think, a I think I just wore a blank shirt that day because I'm like, I'm doing missions. I'm just me. Um, 
And so as I did that, like, it was tough and also really rewarding in the same sense because I did the thing I knew I was supposed to do, but to everyone else, I was, like, throwing my life away. Like, I'm not going to go to college. Like, telling people that, whether that was upfront like that, I'm not going to college right now. I'm not going to continue down the path that was laid out for me. It was, I'm going to do this because I think this is what God wants. And people's responses were like, oh, that'll be a good experience for you. You'll, like, find yourself, or it's a gap year. You'll, like, get a break before, like, you really buckle down and do the important stuff in life. And I was just, like, me, myself and others not seeing eye to eye on, like, what I was called to, what my purpose was, because it's not the standard thing. It's not the normal thing. So, as I kind of mentioned where, like, the external with my uh, pressure, like, with my parents, it took a little bit of convincing. There in the back there, they knew I had to convince them quite a bit to say, hey, I'm going to fly to, and the place that I thought this would be perfect for me was Tasmania in Australia. I'm like, that's the right spot. That's about as far away from Minnesota as you can probably get. I'm like, that's the right spot. That's where I'm supposed to go. That'll be good. Everything will just work. And they're like, okay, no. Um, and then, like, to my friends, all of them are going off to college, they're starting there, like, getting to know their roommates, getting their class schedule, like, doing all, like, the introduction to college stuff, and they're all doing that, and again, I'm just kind of sitting there like, okay, I'm not doing that, I'm kind of out of the loop right now, and that, that kind of freaked me out in a sense, but it also was very rewarding to say, you know what, I'm going where God wants me to go, I have my calling, my conviction to go here, and who knows where I'll be afterwards. It's only for a year, excuse me, only for a year that I'm going to do that. So as I, I'm waiting, after I graduate, go through the summer, into the fall, uh, I get on a flight to board uh, to Australia to my DTS with YWAM. YWAM was what we, my senior class went to in the Dominican. That picture is actually in South Australia, and those are some of the people I was with during my time there. Um, so a DTS, I'll very briefly explain what I did. A DTS is a discipleship training school. It's basically like uh, half a year to a year of like, you just learn how to do missions work. And so that's what I did. These are some of the people I was with. We were from all over the place. We had Germans, Swiss, Australian, Malaysians, Dutch, Americans, Canadians, all, whole mix of us. Um, so we were there. I was in Tasmania, Australia for most of it. Not typical Australia. You probably think Opera House or Sydney or like all that sort of stuff. I was on a 400-acre sheep farm. That's where I was. Just absolute blast. I loved it there. Um, but yeah, I kind of break my YWAM time down into like there's the good, there was the bad, and then there was the incredible aspect of like actually like being a missionary for the first time. And some of the good was just like, I went to a different culture for the first time and lived as someone not from that culture in that culture. I did things differently. I just, I was an outsider for the first time, even though like the people around me might have looked like me or like we all kind of understood, like Americans, Australians, like all the different mix of people, like we all kind of understood we're different. We're all kind of like different together in a sense. But like being able to experience, like being a cultural outsider in another culture was huge for me because it's very uncomfortable. And for anyone, it's very uncomfortable. 
But taking that like initial leap of faith, like, okay, I'm going to follow God here was one of the best things because as I like took that step, that's when things finally started to like make sense of like where I was going, the direction I was going. I knew where I was supposed to go. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. But I don't want to paint this like, oh, it was a great experience. There's absolutely nothing that went wrong ever at all. Like it was great. Uh, there were some pretty tough things. This picture was uh, at the highest point of the sheep farm, and they had this cross up there. Um, and that kind of overlooks like the capital city of Tasmania, just for context. But there was a lot of stuff like in YWAM, and I want to paint YWAM as all like this. Uh, these were just certain people. But like, there's a lot of spiritual manipulation that I dealt with during that time because people would like go and they'd pray and they'd come back and they'd come up to me and be like, hey, God told me that like, God told me that you are going to do this. Or, like, I had one person come up to me like, I was praying and God told me that you're gonna be, you're gonna be an army ranger. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just not. Like, God didn't tell you that because that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, but there are a lot of other things where it's like, you had, I had some people like the leaders or like lecture leaders come up to me and be like, hey, I don't think you're actually saved. I don't think you actually believe in Jesus. You don't, you haven't taken that step to let Jesus take over your life. And like, I had, I have, and have been living that way, and it hurt to have someone who doesn't know me, but like, think like they've heard from God that like, I don't actually believe. That really hurt, and that really like, stuck for a while. And one of the worst experiences, they're not worst, it's funny to me looking back, uh, I was called, or I was accused of being demon-possessed quite a few times during my <laughs> uh, brief uh, exposure in YWAM. Um, if some of you are aware of the Bethel Seminary out of uh, Redding, California, not Bethel, up in Roseville, Bethel out in California, they sing some worship songs, you probably have heard of them. Um, I met some of the people who were doing like their training course, similar to what I was doing, and they like, on the streets, we were doing street evangelism, and they had these cards with pictures on them. I hope red flags are already going off for you right now. They had cards with pictures on them, and they were going to go up to people and say, like, hey, pick three or four cards. We're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, and then based off the pictures on your cards, we're going to tell you what God wants you to do. And they're like, that's not right. Um, but I'm like, okay, I'm going like, to ease into that, this because like, they're, like, those are, they're tarot cards, like, Let's not kid ourselves. So I went up to them like, hey, like, I don't think that's right. Like, what's the whole story behind this? They're like, oh, we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. We trust that the Holy Spirit's going to tell us what these people need to know. And like, in my mind, it's like, if you're telling yourself that only the Holy Spirit can tell you the next step here, or only the Holy Spirit's telling you, isn't that the perfect time for, like, the devil to lie to you and tell you something different? And after that, like, they flipped a switch. They were like really friendly, like, oh yeah, I wanted to get to know you. And it's like, you're a messenger of the enemy. You've come here to like tear this ministry down and like you're here to steal people's souls and all these things. They're like just pointing, screaming at me. I'm like, okay, that's not what I was expecting there. Um, so there's, so I get called not a Christian, then demon possessed. And then the people I was with, actually this picture, I should 
explain the pictures because I put them in here. Uh, this picture, I took this on Christmas morning, which was one of the tougher days because that was about a week after I was called demon-possessed, and that's when I started to like, really wrestle with, wait, someone called me demon-possessed. What is that? Do I look or act like I'm demon-possessed? Like, and I was like, <laughs> on this day, even though it was like, a beautiful picture and everything, I was struggling internally a lot with all that stuff. Uh, and then the last thing, I'll make it brief, even though it's a big story. Uh, when I was in Papua New Guinea, uh, I was on a team with some people, about, there were about 10 of us. Uh, we were all together, living together, and in Papua New Guinea, it's an island to the north of Australia. We were living there in the village, and kind of the culture in Papua New Guinea, if someone, like, punches you in the arm, like, the appropriate response in Papua New Guinea is, like, you're going to punch them in their face as hard as you can. Like, instead of, like, an eye for an eye, it's, like, an eye for, like, your head. Sort of a thing. It, it builds over and over, and that's like a cultural, that's a cultural thing in Papua New Guinea. Because what started as a fender bender, like literally a guy like rolled into the person ahead of him in their car. Like that escalated to guy follows him home, they start a fight, they start fighting at his house, guy gets out of his car, another guy gets out of his car who's a friend of the one guy, lights the other guy's house on fire, that guy's family comes, they start fighting this guy, that guy's family comes, they start fighting this guy's family. Next thing you know, there's a full-blown riot in the village. And so this just kind of builds into that, and my team was like, oh, this is exactly what God wanted us here for. We need to go into the riot, we need to go tell everyone, like, proclaim Jesus to all of these people, because this is what God put us here for. We have to come and stop this riot. This is the only thing. This is why we were sent to Papua New Guinea, was to stop this riot. And I was outnumbered nine to one saying like, hey, I think we should think about this, guys. I don't know if that's quite the right thing. I don't think we're supposed to do that exactly. And one thing led to another. The pastor in the village, she said, yeah, do not go there. You will die. And they're like, no, 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 God will protect us. And I'm like, no, I think we might just die. Um, and like, they, they turned a lot of fingers and they pointed at me like, actually, I don't think you have enough faith. You don't actually believe in the mission that we're here to complete. We're here to accomplish. We want people to be saved. They're like, this is the perfect time. I'm like, no, this is, this is cultural. It's like if, you and, like, if you and your sibling were fighting, like a real bad fighter, you and your parents were fighting a real bad fight, and just some random person walked in like, hey, guys, I'm going to fix this. Like, everything's going to be okay. You wouldn't, you'd be kind of put off by that. So, with that, it kind of, like, just all these things where it's like, I think something and then, like, be outnumbered. Or all the eyes would turn, and again, it was like that God card of, like, well, God told us, therefore, we are right, and it cannot be wrong. So, that was something I wrestled with a lot because, I mean, that happened, and after a while, I just kind of started to tune it out because, like, if God wants to tell me something, he's going to tell me, not necessarily get someone else to be a messenger who may interpret it however they want. But uh, some of the incredible just stuff from the outreach portion of my time in YWAM was I live, like, this is the village, and that was, like, my first time ever, like, getting up in front of people and saying, like, this is Jesus, he cares about you, he loves you, and he can save you. He has salvation for it. Like, this was the first time I presented the gospel to, like, really anyone. But I did it in front of a crowd of about 150, 200 people in a village, and they all just stopped. Well, we danced first. I'm not a dancer, but we danced. Um, we did that, and then, it, yeah, it brought, like, all these people in. Like, we shared the gospel, and, like, some people came, like, you know, I want to know more. 
Like, I don't know, I, I still pray that like, they attend the church in that village and they still are doing things. And, like, that was one moment for me where things really clicked. Like, this has so much more value than just like, I don't know, a nine to five or something like that. But um, I'll skip this. If anyone wants to find out about my necklace, come talk to me at lunch because I'm going to cut that because I'm going a bit long. Um, <laughs> all right, but after coming back from YWAM, all the outreach stuff, which was absolutely incredible and living as a missionary for the first time, I came back and part of the agreement I had with my parents was like, I do YWAM and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to finish my degree. So I went to Northwestern because I had a lot of credits from PSEO, and I got some credits from YWAM because YWAM in uh, Australia is accredited, uh, oh, excuse me, accredited, so you actually got credits for that, so I got some college credit for doing missions work, which was really cool. But, like I mentioned before, like my best subjects in school were English, or not English, uh, Spanish and history, and I enjoyed like the things of like philosophy and stuff like that. And so things kind of came full circle when I look at Northwestern and they have this thing called an intercultural studies degree. It's not the intercultural studies degree that's offered at the University of Minnesota, very different. This intercultural studies degree was basically a missions degree focused on linguistics, ministry, and like cultural understanding, anthropology. And so like everything like meshed together out of nowhere. And so like, okay, start going into that. But like, it got really tough really quick because I went from living as a missionary in a country outside of the U.S. in Papua New Guinea and Indonesia. I was doing all these things, and now I'm in a classroom talking about the theoretical aspects of all of it. Like, what would you do if you got presented the opportunity to present the gospel? I'm like, I've done it. I'm like, well, you did it wrong. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> like, so, like, all of a sudden, that... Like, that same thing became very hard. Like, I'm following the next steps, but that got hard because I go from doing it to not just talking about it, and it, I mean, it felt pointless at times. It really did feel pointless. But going through it, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have been required an internship that we'll get to very quickly here about leading to Uganda. But, yeah, sometimes it just feels like you're checking boxes sometimes. And to be totally honest, like, that might be where you're at right now. Like, just with schools. Like, seniors, senior slides. It's real. It really is. Like, sometimes it just feels like checking boxes. You just got to get to the end. Like, that might be how you feel. Like, but, I mean, keep up with it. Like, there's a point to things that, like, happen. There's a reason we do the things we do. And... At that time when, like, I was really struggling with, like, the purpose, like, what am I actually doing? Like, I'm getting the degree, but I've already done the stuff that people are saying I need the degree for, all that sort of stuff. And the thing that really brought me back to a point where, like, I was doing something with purpose was uh, coming back here and being offered a position on the coaching staff for lacrosse. And that, for the first time, yeah, there's our first year I helped coach. All the teams, some people are there. Current seniors are freshmen. You can laugh at their freshman pictures there. But, yeah, the, that uh, first, like, first season back and those first few years back, lacrosse was really the one thing where, like, coming here, there was a purpose. I had a point. I came back, and I had something to contribute and bring to the team. So now, 
kind of where I'm at currently is uh, finishing up my degree. I needed an internship, so I was trying really hard to get back overseas. I wanted to go back into missions because that's what I knew I was supposed to be doing. I am a missionary. I'm called to be a missionary. Therefore, I should be trying to go into missions. But this little thing called COVID happened, and everyone said, no, you will stay in your country always, forever. Don't ever come here because you'll bring COVID. And so I was like, well, what about in the future? And the answer was always, we will let you know eventually. And I'm still waiting back on those emails. So that kind of was another like, discouragement of like, okay, I know I'm supposed to go. I know I need to go. But now no one is willing to take me. I can't go anywhere. I'm trying to get to any number of countries, and none of them were ever open. Or the people there had like, no interest in hosting someone because of the implications that that could have with COVID or things with that. Or like some of them said, we won't take you until you get your college degree. I'm like, well, I need to do this for my college degree. Like, well, mm, won't work. And they're like, well, you need to have a job you can work while you're here. Like, what trade skills do you have? I'm like, well, none. I'm like, well, we can't take you then. Or like, do you have like, like, how many people are you bringing with you? Do you have a family? Do you have like this? Like, how, like what's your support system? Like, just me. Can't take you. Like, well, okay, all these missions organizations that like, we want people to come with us. We want people to come share the gospel with everyone. But then it's like, but you don't check our boxes. So no, you are not welcome here. So this idea of like, okay, going overseas might just have to wait. I'll just kind of ease my way through things. And then... Uh, this is where Dr. E comes in, and he kind of opens the metaphorical door of, like, getting overseas was at Andrew Smith's grad party. Uh, I think the photo's in here. I was not aware that photo was being taken for context. That's why I look like that. <laughs> but that initial conversation with Dr. E, I hadn't seen him since I graduated. We're just kind of there talking. He's like, oh, hey, what are you doing? And he asked, like, like, what, like, what are you going into? I'm like, oh, missions. And he's like, oh, tell me more. I'm like, well, that's weird. Usually when I say, oh, I'm going to be a missionary, people are like, okay, you do your thing. You're not making any money. You're not, like, being a valuable member of society. Most of them are like, okay, yeah, go do your missions thing. Go travel. I'd like to see the pictures sort of a thing. And, like, Dr. E goes, like, no, tell me more. I want to know more. And then he brought up, like, hey, I'm going to Uganda this year. Like, want to come with? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, I would. I would very much like to go to Uganda. So now I think we'll go to the next photo, and we'll kind of explain together, like, uh, what Uganda's like. Yeah, let me, let me take over a little bit here. One thing I want to say is uh, when I heard the story, and I haven't heard all this story before, so thank you, Hunter. You know, this is why at Southwest we say we're here to make you mature disciples of Jesus Christ so that when riots are happening somewhere, you can be the voice of sanity, okay? And when they're trying to use tarot cards to evangelize, you can say, I don't never heard Dr. Carlson talk about tarot cards, you know? I don't think that's really what we should be doing. Or, you know, Mr. Goldie didn't really, you know, call people demon-possessed just because they didn't agree with me. You know, this is what we do here. We try to have strong faith and we try to have reason. Those of you who have 
been in my classes, faith and reason. That's what we do here. That's what a mature disciple is. And I think we see what a mature disciple can do when they get out on the mission field. There's a lot of flaky people. There's a lot of flaky stuff going on there. You gotta love Jesus. You have to have a level head. That's what I want for all of you. That's what the school wants for all of you. That's what we're trying to do here primarily. So please, you know, absorb it, receive it. Receive it. So now we're gonna, we got just uh, four minutes left, so we're gonna click through some slides of Uganda now. This was a fabulous trip once we got there. We had a lot of COVID issues getting there, but finally got there, and you saw the road that goes from uh, the airport up to northern Uganda. We're going to the bush. This is deep, dark Africa, okay? Here's one town we drove through on the way up there. Remember we got lost on the way up there too? Guy got lost, so go on ahead to the next slide. So this is the compound, this is the mission that um, I have been associated with now for three years, for four years, I've been there three times. This is in the middle of nowhere, it's an orphanage, it's a school, and it's a church. It's called the Gulu Center for Christian Missions. Isn't that beautiful? That is Africa up in the wilderness. Okay, next slide. And so here we are, you get to do all kinds of interesting things when you're in Africa. This is like what the compound looks like and we're making some breakfast there. Uh, you get to see how other cultures do things. Next slide, having our breakfast together before we start our first day of ministry. What was it, scrambled eggs and scrambled tomatoes eggs, and, peppers onions and onions and stuff yeah. like that. Made it up on a little charcoal stove. Okay, so now we're gonna click through some slides. Hunter, I want you to kind of very briefly say, what kind of ministry did you do over those 10 days? This was at the orphanage with the children and the youth of the village around it. So what are these pictures? Yeah, so, oh, my mic's on, or did I turn it off? Oh, okay, I'm back. So what I did, uh, this picture, I worked with both the little kids that were like under 10 years old and the ones above 10 years old. I did Bible studies with them each daily and so we went through this was like our classroom and that basically what we went through every day was just a bible story like about patience or forgiveness or things that like are easier for them to grasp but and very easy to implement so we can go to the next one because we'll click through them this is me teaching the sunday school lesson our first sunday there i think that day i had a mild concussion i was quite a bit dehydrated so i was hanging in there um, but yeah, talked about Noah's Ark, and that was on, that was just after Christmas. Uh, this, again, these are the kids from the orphanage, and yeah, this was just playing soccer. They love soccer over there. I'm very bad at soccer, um, but even though I'm bad at soccer, they let me coach uh, their uh, soccer team, and by coach, I basically just did speed and agility work with them every day for about two hours, so Everyone who I coach in lacrosse, I can run a two-hour speed and agility and conditioning practice, so one run isn't going to kill you. Okay, next slide. <laughs> All right, now I'm, now I'm going to take over. So uh, I just wanted to mention that any of you have plenty of skills that you can use overseas. Hunter took his sports things, but even if you didn't have talent in coaching, you just play with those kids. You're an encouragement. You know any Bible story you can teach over there. You know far more Bible than most of those people. Literacy is not very high. You have everything you need to be a very effective missionary right now. You wouldn't have to do any more. And you can see kind of the things that Hunter did. Now, one of my ministries when I went up was to do a baptism. There had been two years of lockdown from COVID, 
but the church had still been growing dramatically. COVID made that area spiritually alive, and there were 47 people that had given their lives to Christ in these two churches that I minister with, and they were gonna be baptized now that everything was open. So we went down to the river, there I am in the river, and we're baptizing people, and he's all the way underwater, and so uh, we baptized all these people. That was a wonderful ministry. Now this woman, just stop here for a minute. Her name's Stella. She was washing clothes while we were baptizing the other 47. She came up to the pastor there and she said, what are you guys doing? Tell me about Jesus. And he shared the gospel with her. She said, I would like to be baptized. She received Jesus and we baptized her. Just do the animation and then we'll be done. This is such a cool little animation of her. Google just did this for me. Okay, I got lots more slides, but we're out of time. So I'll tell you what, here's the invitation. I am gonna invite all of you, I hope you don't all come, but I'm going <laughs> to Africa in July again. I would love to have some of you come with. A couple people have already had interest. Um, Hunter and I are gonna be in the lunchroom. Come talk to us. And I wanna invite all of you to think about, pray about going to Africa this summer, amen.